Not so tight, I begged Isabel, who was rolling strands of my hair into tight corkscrews with pieces of sheet so that I would have ringlets next day for the Lord Provost's party. It was nearly Christmas. The Lord Provost held a party for all the children in Warriston Crescent every year. Of course there was jelly and ice cream, musical chairs and blind man's buff, but there was a price to pay. I had to wear a dress and have my hair curled. My mother had embroidered a dress for me specially. Amanda had one too. We had gone to a fancy dress party earlier in the week in the assembly rooms on the mound and I had wanted to go as a circus knife thrower. But my mother had put her foot down and I had had to go as Miss Muffet instead and spent most of the time sitting sulking on the tuffet and throwing the big stuffed discloth spider at anyone, especially Angela Collar, who said it looked more like a sheep. There, that's the last, said Isabel. Now, don't fiddle with them when you're in your bed and you'll have bonny curls in the morning. Isabel was one of the nicest nannies we had and my mother was hoping she would stay and not run off with a pole as the previous one had done. Edinburgh is full of them, she said darkly, and the nannies are not to be trusted. I was somewhat mystified by this, but just nodded wisely and said I was sure she'd have more sense. It was years later that I discovered she meant Polish escapees from the war. Oh, well, it will be worth it, said Amanda philosophically looking like a friendly hedgehog and squatting on a cushion waiting for the night-time story. My mother read a chapter from The Princess and Curdie and didn't fall asleep, and Alan kept patting the tight corkscrews and asking us to take them out so he could see the curls. My head ached and I longed for it to be morning, which would bring curls, and one day nearer to Christmas. Alan shot across the floor on his bottom to get a closer look at the wonderful scene. My mother had just put the finishing touches to the leading reindeer and we all gazed spellbound. There was Father Christmas in our nursery flying through the midnight sky with all six reindeers on a huge sledge full of presents for 21 Warriston Crescent. My mother had painted the scene on the shutters of the three tall windows of the nursery. It was magic. I had just completed my letter to Father Christmas, asking again for a jackknife and a sporran. And we had tea that day in the nursery, as couldn't bear to be apart from Father Christmas and his reindeers for a second. The intoxicating smell of the Christmas tree, standing in a bucket in the hall, with real candles on it, came wafting up the stairs. And the excitement was building second by second. The Lord Provost's party had gone without a hitch, and my ringlets had stayed in till the end. Ian Kemp had had a tantrum when he and Arthur fought over the winning chair in musical chairs, and Tommy Turner had been sick on the Lord Provost's shoes. But Amanda had managed to win, pin the tail on the donkey, and we'd all been given a balloon and a small bag full of homemade doddles to take home with us. <laughs> After tea, we continued the preparations for the nativity scene in the hall to welcome people as they came in. My mother had made a crib out of matchboxes with a little wooden Jesus in it, very snug amongst the straw, 
There was a plasticine Joseph and Mary, and she'd painted a lovely stable scene to go round them. Chris had made the ox and the ass out of a modelling set, the kind that you bought plaster of Paris into moulds, and when it was set, you peeled them off. We all thought they looked a bit more like horses, but didn't say so. Amanda and I had been put in charge of the presents for the three kings and had been collecting silver paper and cardboard for weeks. When I had torn my piece of silver paper yet again after trying to flatten it out, I graciously said that Amanda, who was much better at this than me, could do all the presents. Instead, I cut a small piece out of the dining room curtain without anybody seeing and put it as a cloak for one of the kings so felt I'd done something to help the scene. Alan had one of his prehistoric dinosaurs made out of socks and, and sticks as an offering to Jesus, but it was too big to fit in the stable and swamped it, looking like King Kong in the jungle with the natives, so he had to be content with it just peering in the side. Arthur hadn't done anything for the scene, but he didn't mind, and my mother said he could light the candles on the Christmas tree as he was the eldest. As I lay in bed on Christmas Eve, having made sure my father's big coarse army socks was hanging at the end of the bed, scenes from the previous Christmas came swimming into my mind. My mother singing the Earl of Murray because she liked sad songs. Presents wrapped in coloured crepe paper came tumbling out of the sock and when opened revealed a wonderful dragon made out of cotton reels which made a deep rumbling sound when you dragged it across the floor. Ingenious toys made out of matches and skill and alas, no jackknife had appeared. Moppet, our cat, managed to steal a leg of goose off the Christmas table and a play we had written called The Chinese Prime Minister, which we performed to the parents, during which Chris's trousers had descended just as he was proposing to the princess, reluctantly played by Alan clutching one of his dinosaurs. My father playing special tunes, pieces he'd composed for each child, while dancing round the room, and then the opening of the big presents, and no jackknife had appeared. Would it come tomorrow? I fervently hoped so. Then I could at last become a knife thrower.